not so important for us to remember? Jesus saw us, not in our glory. Jesus went about, he didn't just go about one, well, look at me, I'm Jesus here. And you would just see me, everything would be okay. He went around and said, I see you. I see you over there as well. And so we get to this passage in the Gospel of John. And Jesus is at a feast. He's at a feast, I believe, of tabernacles. Very fitting in a lot of ways. What is going to happen? A feast that was to remind people that the Messiah was coming and there were going to be blessings because of who the Messiah was and is. And so we read, as Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. We don't know where, but can you imagine of all the people Jesus sees that he would find somebody that was born blind from birth. I'm reminded of a story once I heard, I'm not sure when, and I'm not sure uh, who gets credit for this, but talked about uh, how two individuals walking down the busy streets of uh, New York City. Now, Joyce, you've been to New York, right? Yeah. All right. It's pretty quiet, isn't it? You know, it may be today. You mean when you went to us, it wasn't quiet? No. Well, so you're saying St. Paris is quieter than New York City? Yes, okay, all right. Maybe not now, I believe it's there, but not now. All right. The hustle and bustle, taxis, people walking, talking, the storefronts, you know, and this, uh, these two individuals are walking. And, and they're going through uh, things, and, and all of a sudden, uh, the one gentleman says, stop, wait. And, and his companion goes, what? And this guy uh, steps down at, at, on the street, and he picks up a cricket. He said, did you hear that? And his friend did just that going, are you crazy? Are you nuts? How in the world did you hear that? The guy says, well, wait. He reaches in his pocket. I don't have any in my pocket right now. He grabs a handful of coins and says, watch this. He drops the coins. Guess what? Everyone is turning. Oh my goodness, something. Money dropped. And he goes, my point. You hear what you listen for. We see what we want to see. We see with eyes when looking for certain things. In the science community and in politics, we call it confirmation bias. We will read things that confirm what we already think is true. And, but the truth is, is, spiritually, as well as in our world, we will look and we will find whatever we are looking for. Jesus has a, uh, in all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see that Jesus is looking out for people just like this guy. He finds the outcast. He finds the hurting. Yes, sometimes they find him. But a lot of times, it's as if his eyes go, okay, who's hurting today around him? Ah, I see. I see. You and I, 
if we're not careful, especially if we've been church long enough, we stop seeing out there because we're very comfortable in here. We see what we want to see. We can, if we want, go looking for all the evils of the world, and we will find it. Just turn on the news. Okay, they'll show us. And I don't care which brand of news you watch. You will find it. And, and so uh, he sees the guy, and then his disciples see them, and they ask the question that we all ask. Why? Why is this man born blind? Who sinned? What did he sin? Or did his parents sin? And we want to kind of understand why things happen. Why do bad things happen? Now, there's not necessarily anything wrong with asking the question, why? In fact, if they just would have said, who sinned? I think Jesus would have said, well, Adam sinned. This world is messed up because Adam sinned. You and I as well. But we don't like the generals, do we? Generalities. We want the specifics. So tell me, did somehow, in some way, this man, born blind, did he commit a sin in the womb of his mother that none of us know about? That was a belief in Jewish thoughts. Because they understood that when one sins, bad things may happen. And then it was the idea, well, if he didn't sin, then obviously his parents must have. Obviously, Jesus, see, we ask why, Jesus says, watch this. Okay, he, he answers the question, he responds, not with, act, with saying, why? I'm giving a good response, he said, listen, we may not, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, we may not understand, but God's work can still happen in the midst of us pain and suffering. And while I'm here, my job is to do God's work. And he does what was unthinkable. He picks up, he sees this man, and then he, he goes on, and he, and he picks up some mud, some dirt, he spits in it. Can you imagine, this man has not a clue what's really happened. He's never saw anything in his life. He can hear things. I'm sure, because I've worked with enough people who, who uh, have talked with some of them that are uh, seeing impaired, Man, your other senses take off. In fact, you can train yourself, you know, to do that, to listen well. Man, can you imagine him hearing some guy spit into his hands? Okay, wonder what's going on here. And then feel the fact that this guy is putting, you can probably guess, spit and mud on your eyes. Now, they believe saliva and medicinal purposes. This wasn't uncommon. This wasn't like as gross as we would think if we went to the doctor this week and they spit on some stuff and put it on your eyes. We would be horrified. Back then, this was what they thought happened. And, and he heals the man. See, where we put a question mark, God wants a comma. When we put a question mark, that's just change that question mark into a comma because I'm not done yet. And he does this. And he goes and he tells the man, go to the pool of Siloam, which means sin. We get translated for us. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Now, how amazing is that? This guy's never 
seen before, and he doesn't even know really what happened. He heard the question, who sinned? Did this guy sin or his parents? I'm sure he thought of many of those things. I'm sure he was told many of those things. And yet, the man who heals him doesn't answer the question, but just says, watch this. And goes on. Where we put a question mark, God wants to come. Where are you questioning? Where's your pain making you wonder, did I do something? Am I worse off than somebody else? Did I not pray hard enough? Did I sin somehow and not know it? Maybe. But maybe God's going, just wait. Because there's coming a time when God's work for his glory, Jesus says, this was done so the works of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the works of he who has sent me. Jesus brings light to the chaos. Light in the darkness. Can you hear the rumbles of Genesis 1 here? Can you hear the echoes of the creation of the world here? Darkness. Void, as some translations would say, chaos was all about. What does God do? He creates light. Daniel's reading uh, the Chronicles of Narnia series right now, aren't you, Daniel? And, and, and I had him read The Magician's Nephew first. Because to be honest with you, I know many people say that's number six in the book. It is number one. Alright? With it. Because it tells you how things began which would become Narnia. And how it begins is Aslan the lion sings. There's nothing, and this lion sings a tune, and everything comes about. Because chaos cannot coexist with light. Chaos can only thrive in darkness. And Jesus says, I am the light. I'm the light of the world. He says here, He can bring life to your chaos. Your darkness. See, this, just like this guy, his pain and suffering wasn't just something out there. And the problem is, is sometimes we feel a lot, feel a lot of times, can't say that word. We, we, we create doctrines and we talk about theology so much when what we should be doing is getting back to work. Theologize. That's the right word. Theologize. When instead we get back to work. The rest of the chapter 9 of John is all about how to rightly think through what in the world just happened. And you have the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the neighbors and everyone else trying to comprehend what God just did. And Jesus said at the very beginning, even as the disciples are trying to figure out, what am I to rightfully believe about this? He says, listen, we got work to do. Not that theology or a way of thinking through a scripture is wrong. We need good theology. But we can't let good theology get in the way of the work of Jesus. And sometimes I'm concerned that we want to get so right our beliefs 
and make sure that we let everybody know what the right theology is, that we fail to see the one in pain right in front of us. There are some bad theologies out there, in my opinion. There are some bad theories out there. But sometimes when we try to tackle a theory, when we try to tackle a, a system of beliefs, we fail to see the person right in the middle of it that doesn't know what that theory is nor cares. They're just in pain. They can humiliate. And we see what happens when we try to make a specific case of, of one person and make general comments. This man that was born blind is pushed back and forth and back and forth. Well, how did you sin? Well, who's the man? He's like, I, I don't know. I was blind and I see. Well, maybe you weren't really blind. Now, we, we're going to press this with that, aren't we? How dare the Pharisees say, maybe you weren't born blind? But sometimes it was because their belief was this can't happen. God can't work this way. God doesn't do this way. And that maybe part of the problem was their theology says you don't do anything on the Sabbath, and Jesus does it on the Sabbath. No, no, you can't be an agent of God if you don't do it the way it's always been done. You must have sinned. And that their conclusion, verse 34, they, they go back and forth with this man. They, I'm going to hurl back up. They go and say, you must be this guy's disciple. You must be a disciple of his. And they go, we're disciples of Moses. And the Jewish way of thinking, they just up the ante and they just went, you know, all the way back to search. This guy, ah, he's too new. We go back to the beginning. We know that God spoke to Moses, but this guy, we don't even know where he comes from. Now, interesting. I'm going to get a little tangent real quick, real quick, real quick. One of the hallmarks in Jewish thought of the Messiah was they wouldn't know where he came from. At one point in time, the Pharisees said, we know where this guy comes from, Nazareth. Now they're saying, we don't know where he comes from. Go figure. They're out of festival that was talking about the coming Messiah and the blessings of the coming Messiah, which was signified by light. Seeing what you couldn't see. And Jesus he was a man born blind. See where he couldn't see. There's a lot of irony in that little comment right there. The man answered. Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. This man speaks nothing more than what he knows. Uh, that's remarkable you don't know about it. I just know I see. We know that God does not listen to sinners. What a great Good theology by this guy. What happens to me can only be said by happening by the hand of God. But we know God just doesn't listen and doesn't do these things by people who are totally messed up. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't do this. What is their response? You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? See, this is what we do sometimes. When someone starts to push 
against whether or not our theology is really making its way in practice, we can very easily say, well, you just don't know about the scriptures I do. I've been here longer. You know, don't lecture me on what may be right or wrong. No, no. You just stay over there. You, do you not know how long I've been following Jesus? And in our midst to have good theology, we forget that it needs to be worked out in good, proper ways. And sometimes we get defensive. And when we get defensive, Jesus does us to become blind. We can be blind to what he is doing and what his word says. Now, what are we to do with all this? I think we need to be reminded of this fact. God's grace is for all. It's called common grace. Notice, in all of this, this man is never asked about his faith until towards the end. And then he's asked to put his faith in this man that he finally sees. Sometimes, God heals a person because of their faith. One time in particular, he asked about their faith before he healed them. But there are many times when God does a healing because of who he is and not who they are. God never asked this man, why don't you tell me what you believe first and I'll make sure you got it right before I do something. We need to remind people because there's a belief that they can't come to Jesus unless they get it right with Jesus first. They get all cleaned up. You don't need to be cleaned up before you come to Jesus. If you come to Jesus, he'll clean you up. What happened in my life and maybe yours? We need to see that sometimes the work of Jesus is just to be a blessing to somebody else because that's who Jesus is. Once again, the echoes of the beginning of Scripture. Abraham was told, I'm going to bless you so that you will bless others. The blessing of God is never meant to be kept in one hand. It's to pass from one hand to the next to go on. As we point people to the one who is grace. Secondly, we are to be on mission. The pain and the suffering in this world can get us to sit back and say, I just can't handle it. I don't want to handle it. I'm tired of it. So we insulate ourselves. We, we know we need Christian fellowship, and we need it. But sometimes we can be in our Christian huddle so much that we never go outside of it. And you know what? We're pretty okay with that, because I can't be hurt out there when I'm over here. Jesus said, as long as it is day, we must, be, we must do the works of he who sent me. He sends the guy to the pool of Siloam, which means sent. His response to some extent in the face of pain and suffering is, don't focus just on the pain and suffering. Go do something about it. Go do the works of God. You and I, wherever our tasks take us, are to be on mission to God. Whether you're a process analyst at a food company, or retired from the railroad and made bridges and railroad ties, or a teacher, an administrator, or a healthcare person, or you know, you fly drones for a living, which is really cool to me. That's Travis, not Justin Bayham. I know who you are. You know, whether you work on animals or the back tech, whether you're a student in a classroom, or you're teaching people how to move their feet gracefully. 
You are a missionary of God sent to that place. And yes, we need full-time missionaries and pastors, but I don't care what job it you have, as Luther started to remind us again and many others, your vocation, your work is holy, and you are on mission for that place. Carol will be the hands of God in a place that I can't be in always. And God has called her there. And called Rusty to work with concrete or cement, whichever one is, or both, I don't know. You know, for a reason. And my job isn't more holy than their job. We're both holy. If we remember, we are to be on mission. So let me ask the question Jesus asked. Are you blind? Are you blind this morning? You may be like the man here in this story. You are blinded because of the pain, the suffering, because of the junk you are having to deal with. I don't saw. I don't want to really be able to stand across from you or sit across from you and say, I see you. I see your pain. But maybe some of us, like the Pharisees, we're blinded by our right theology. We are blinded by what, what we want to happen and isn't happening. We are blind in a different way. Some Pharisees that were there heard him say that here this man came. And Jesus says, For judgment are coming to this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. And they asked him, Are we blind too? And Jesus responds, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Well, that's a turn of events. We started with new sins. And now he's calling those who think they can see. Sin, being full of sin, look. Sometimes we are the modern-day Pharisees. We claim to see. But I think Jesus wants to say, no, you're more blinded than you think. Now, does that mean good theology doesn't matter? No. It matters, absolutely matters. But you know, I'm reminded of this quote by Walter Wuberman. I don't always uh, believe everything he says, but this is a good reminder this morning. It is best for mortals to leave, that's you and I, by the way, uh, just in case he I don't know why he says it this way. I would have just said humans, but he's talking mortals here. Sounds nicer. You know, something. It is best for mortals to leave cause and effect in the realm of mystery into the last judgment, as Jesus, Jesus does most often in his treatment of cases and persons. We want to know why. We want a cause and effect because then if I can say, Lita, this is why you are in pain, I can fix Lita. You guys see what's wrong with that? As, I, as if I could fix anybody, okay? As if Lita wants me to fix her. Maybe she does. I've met people who say, just fix me. Fix what's broken. I can't do that. Okay? But we sometimes get in that way where we want to fix this. Well, how can you still be suffering over that? Don't you know if you just do A, B, C, and D, all this will go away? Maybe. You see, I'm not the one who fixes anybody. Jesus is. We need to remind ourselves that Jesus is the light. Jesus is the light you and I need. 
in the darkness of the world, we need to be taking Jesus there, where he is, not keeping him back in this holy huddle over here. Jesus is the light our world needs. And Jesus will say this, and if you have a handout, those of you online, you go to our website, slash devotion, or in our faith light group later today, we'll, you'll get the devotion with it. But if Jesus said, you are the light of the world. So what are you supposed to do? As you go out in the world, others will see your good deeds. This is why Paul said, by grace you are saved. Okay, so that no one should boast, but God has created us as his workmanship to do good works that he knew about beforehand. James would say it. Faith without works is dead. We go out into the darkness to see people and say, I can't fix you, Paul, but I can walk through this in the brokenness. Because I'm broken too. But I'm going to take you to my good friend, Jesus, who won't make you give you your answers, but I'll say, watch this. And, and Paul will have a story to share. Maybe some of you online have a story to share of God's goodness, of God's grace, of where he was the light in your darkness. So as we transition on, we, we go into this time of communion. Those of you who are watching this online, uh, we come. I hope you have the some elements that are before you. Uh, you know, we don't believe anything special that is getting ready to happen here. 